everyone, welcome to Shalanda Says, where we answer questions on all sorts of topics ranging from relationships to career growth. Join us as we answer listener questions and interview various experts in their field. Want a question answered? Send it to Shalanda at TuxWilderGuidance.com. That's Shalanda at TuxWilderGuidance.com. Now here's your hostess and proclaimed queen of time management and goal setting, Shalanda. Today we have Karen Walker, who is the president and principal consultant at One Team Incorporated, a consulting firm that helps senior leaders create internal strategies that support their organization's external growth. Decades ago, Karen helped create the then fastest growing company in American history, Compact Computer. After working at Compact for 14 years, she left to begin One Team. She now serves as an executive advisor and consultant to CEOs and senior organization leaders to grow their companies with outcomes including IPOs, acquisitions, market share increases, and dramatic leadership development. Kara's work has enabled sustained growth in a multitude of companies from startups to Fortune 500 firms including Aetna and BMC Software. Karen has her BS degree in engineering from Texas A&M University, and she graduated from the ODHRM program at Columbia University, which is Organizational Development of Human Resources Management. And she has served on advisory committees to Rice University and Texas A&M University, and she's on the executive board of the Alley Theater. Hi, Ms. Karen. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, I'm so happy to be here, Shalanda. Yes, ma'am. So what I do is we ask all our guests the same first five questions, and then we get a little bit more into your area of expertise. And our first question is, what drew you to this career? Yeah, so I didn't come straight into this. Um, I went initially, uh, I was an engineering degree, as you, as you saw, mm-hmm. and um, I went to work for a Fortune 100 company doing um, sort of real estate for them, uh, building buildings. And um, I noticed a number of people who I really admired at that company leaving, and so I, I followed them. And it was a small group of people that started up this company that became Compact Computer. And um, so uh, when I joined them, we hadn't shipped any product yet or, or, you know, we hadn't even announced that we were building computers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I went from a company of of function of one to hundreds of people worldwide and thousands of consultants and contractors working for me as we uh, grew the company from, from zero to $111 million in our first year and to $15 billion by the time I left, with about 17,000 employees. So I left there after 14 years and took some time off to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I'd love to talk about what that process was. Yeah. Um, but during that, I figured out that what I really missed doing was um, work involved with strategy and uh, putting uh, senior teams together and helping them sort of give form to the vision of what the organization was. So being sure they're clear about what they're doing and why, and then helping them execute on it. Okay, excellent. I remember Compacts. I had one in college. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, right. And tell us what impact you hope to make. Yeah, so um, 
my work is all about helping uh, the leaders that I work with sort of um, have the impact that they want to have in their organizations. So um, I help them see their blind spots. For example, um, I work with them to make sure that they're conscious about their behaviors and the impact of their behaviors and the choices that they have. Uh, because I believe that, that almost every organization can be a good place to work while it's growing really fast and making a lot of money for both the investors and the employees. And um, I think we can only do that with uh, sort of leadership that's paying attention. So I'm, I'm helping leaders um, go from being good in their functional specialties uh, to being really good at functioning as a leadership team. Okay. And the CEOs, it's a really around advising them uh, in many different areas. I'm sure much as like in your work, when the door closes, you never know what's going to come, what's going to be said. Right. Yes. <laughs> now think about everything, you know, in regards to this path you've chosen in retrospect, what would you uh -huh. do differently? If anything, I think the biggest thing that I would do differently, um, has to do with when I left compact, I just left. I was like so busy and so burnt out. I'm sure I was working 24 hours a day, seven days a week for, mm -hmm. for years. In fact, I would say for over a decade because you know, we were just growing fast and there was always so much to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and so by the time I, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do next. And so part of what I did was I went to my amazing HR guy who supported my group and I said, Hey, I need to think about some other options because I don't want to just keep doing this for the rest of my life. You know, it's amazing. I'm flying all over the world. I'm working with, with these terrific people. Uh, but I, you know, it's, I need, I need more and different. And um, he said, well, there are two ways we can go about this. One is, um, you know, you can do some sort of traditional battery of tests and I'll work with you. He said, the other is you can figure out why you are here to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so he, uh, he said that would be, you know, working with a psychologist uh, like yourself. And so I went to see this woman and uh, I sat down and said, okay, I want to talk about my career options. And she said, which parent do you want to start with? And I said, oh, I am not here for that. Right. <laughs> I am here to talk about my career. She said, yes. And which parent do you want to start with? And so um, she really helped me uh, sort of understand how I got to where I was and uh, helped me decide what was most important in terms of thinking about what was next. So, so what I would tell people to do differently is just to make sure that as you, as you make shifts in your career, because it's like almost never a straight line for anybody, right? We right, take, yeah. take this foundation we're building and we go to something else and we build a little more foundation, we go to something else. Um, but to make sure you think big enough and broad enough um, so you're not just taking a job, you're actually finding work uh, that you can put yourself into because that's where you'll be happiest and frankly where you'll do the best work. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Now, what trends do you see within your niche? I'd say within my organization, I work not exclusively, but I work with a lot of tech companies and certainly with a lot of, you know, my primary um, uh, clients or CEOs and senior leaders in, in growing companies. You know, it's my, my focus is growing companies. And so I would say the, the biggest trend that I'm seeing right now is um, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions uh, going on within that space. Um, and so sort of this, it's a consolidation in ways to help the companies fuel their growth uh, because the company will get to be like a high, 
uh, star in whatever their niche is, but then they, they, like I was talking about for myself, can't get to the next step without merging or requiring um, different and bigger uh, market so that they have a, a bigger, better product market fit. So I would say that's the biggest trend that I see right now. Okay. Now, what advice would you like to offer our listeners? Oh, wow. So uh, I have several. Uh, the first is this, think, this, this idea about thinking bigger. And in order to do that, you have to give yourself time to think. Mm. People don't do it, right? We get, we get so caught up in our calendars that are just back to back to back to back with meetings all day. Right. And then we, and then we, we get our work done at night. Well, if you're not, if your meetings and they're not your work, really, why are you in them? Um, but I get it that we all need time to do our own work individually. And it's, if you're in back to back means you can't do that. So you have to take control of your calendar and you have to block time out to, to do the work that you need to do individually. And you have to block time out to think. That doesn't mean it's the annual strategic meeting that everybody goes to. That's important, but it's not enough. You have to take responsibility for your calendar and make time for yourself to think the big thoughts. Uh, and I see it time and time again in organizations that, that people know they need to be even just doing something differently, never mind something big about like changing careers or something, but they don't make the time to think about it and figure out what it is. I think the other thing is make sure you, you surround yourself with people, in particular maybe a mentor, or a coach or someone who's successfully done this before mm. so that, so that you can learn from, from others. And, and people will tell you not just what they, well, you know, what to do and what's right, but they'll also tell you their mistakes. People are looking mm -hmm. to be really open about don't do what I did. Right. Or mm -hmm. uh, here's what I've seen with my clients. Don't do that. So they're really uh, that. And I'd say that the third thing is, uh, and I'll stop here is, is that ask for what you want and notice what you get. I have, See so many people who are, they want to be nice to each other and that makes them conflict avoidant uh, and uh, also a little risk averse. And so what happens is uh, we don't tell people what we, what we want. And as a result, our chances of getting it are much slimmer. If you'll say what you want, then you can see if you get it or not. If you don't get it, then you either need to ask a different way, find another path or, or change your ad or change what it is you're looking for. But you, you have a better chance of getting it if you ask for it. Yeah, that's great advice. Now, how often, though, would you advise people to do the thinking? Because I know that people have different advice. Sometimes they say, um, like you said, the annual big think or once a month. How often would you say someone should actually make time to do that big thinking and to make sure that they stay on track? Because it's so easy to get distracted these days. Yeah. It is. Oh my gosh. So many shiny new objects to go after. Right. Plus so many ways for people to ask you for things and ask for your time. Right. Um, and so, I mean, first you have to realize that it's okay to shut your door, whether that's a virtual door or an actual door that you have in your office, it's okay to be not available for a period of time. I'm not suggesting that people change their behavior radically and not tell the people around them what they're doing. So if you're like always available, don't suddenly be gone for the day and not tell anybody where you are because you're thinking, uh, but put time on your calendar. I, for myself, I think it's important every day to be clear about what my major goals are for the day. So that means I think about them the night before or at, the, at, a, at a minimum that morning. Um, uh, every month, I want to be clear about what my top priorities are for the month. 
on yes. a certain every quarter. So, so I think there are different increments of time, you know, so maybe it's certainly at the beginning of the year, we all make our New Year's resolutions and all of that. But I would right. say every, every quarter at a minimum, give yourself time to think about what is it that I really need to achieve this quarter and why, mm-hmm. and how does it support my bigger goals? And then at least once a month, check back in with yourself and look back. How, how did I do last month with what I said I was going to do? Mm-hmm. What supported me? What got in my way? And what are my, what are my goals going to be for the coming month? Um, and then right. at least you have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm talking about doing this personally, very important. That's the base. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also need to do it with your team. The team needs to be in sync around mm-hmm. this too. Every team mm-hmm. that isn't working with. Yeah. That's, and that's one thing that I teach people when I do the goal setting is to reflect. It's very important. Like you said, you have to reflect to see how did I do last month? And am I keeping track with these goals? And actually you have to make sure that the goals, you have the right goals. Cause sometimes people just make goals that are just too big and unrealistic are actually too small and they lose interest. Yeah. So reflection, I agree with you is very important. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you. I think that's really smart. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted ahead. to say one more thing about yes, that. People need to make their goals specific enough to know if they're hitting them or not, right? It's not okay to say, I'm going to do better this quarter, right? Right. Or, um, you know, we're, we're going to grow the company. What does that mean and how will you know, right? So having measurement and having some accountability system, mm-hmm. uh, which you can have for yourself personally or really powerful to have with someone else. You know, maybe your team checks in uh, once a quarter, once a month about how you're doing against these these specific measurable goals. Okay, Mm -hmm. go ahead. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about No Dumbing Down. When I first saw the title, I remember there was a term and it was uh, a bit demeaning and belittling because uh, it was it was a few years ago. Well, actually, uh, several years ago, I was back in college, and there's a term people would use. They would say mm-hmm. "dumb it down." When I want to say, when females in particular ex- showed how intelligent they were, and you would hear someone say "dumb it down," and this came to my mind when I saw your title, "No mm-hmm. Dumbing Down." But your guide is specifically for organizations. And I want to hear from you the no dumbing down. How is this? How have you seen this concept yeah. in organizations? Great. Um, I actually hadn't heard dumb it down. So thank mm, you for okay. sharing that with me. I'll spend more time looking that up. Um, so this came about um, really as a result of my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what my sort of what my what I experienced at Compact and then what I've seen in my, with my clients um, over the last uh couple of decades. So um, no dumbing down, dumbing down itself is really, uh, it's sort of a virus in a corporation. I think it sort of gets hold and then it spreads and, and it starts, um, I, I think about it sort of as teamwork as usual, right? And what happens with teamwork as usual is that we, we have these really bright individuals that are in our organizations or working on our teams. We have A players and, mm-hmm. and we, we, we have some sort of a kickoff either for the organization to say, okay, we're going to work on teams now or for the team and, and people get their hopes up that, you know, this time they're going to be able to get things done differently and maybe for a while things do improve. But what happens over time is that we begin to dumb down and we do that because the team can only function at the level of the lowest performing member. 
Mm -hmm. right it's like the weak link um, but if you have people who are functioning here and you have one person's functioning here the team cannot function up here mm -hmm. it cannot be a high-performance team unless all the members are functioning at a high-performance level mm -hmm. and so what happens over time is that even though people want to do good work and I think that's true for, for almost everybody that comes in the door every day at the office or logs on they um, if you want to do the work but your team's not able to do that with you right you see things like conflicts come up and they don't get resolved or decisions get made in the way that's not the best way to make the decision right. or office politics get in the way or your priorities are misaligned and you don't have the skills to fix those things so I think it's really important to recognize that the skills that it takes for a team are, are similar but not the same as the ones it takes to be a star individual performer um, and to make sure that we have um, the competencies in place for the team to be high performing uh, because otherwise people will be forced to dumb down or what right. often happens is you see your a players uh, exit they leave the team and sometimes they leave the organization because they start to see the team as a target and it's you know if you're an a player you don't want to spend any time there right and so what what techniques or how do do you work with organizations? Or first of all, how do you spot that person that is not on the same level? Because we're naturally, you know, an organizational change or change management. Yeah. We know that people naturally don't like to change things. We get into a comfort zone. Now, how do you identify the person that is the most resistant and how do you turn them into the least resistant so that the organization can meet its mission? Yeah. Yep. I think most of the time people know. It's like when I go into a group and I say, tell me about the best team you've ever worked on. People tell me oh, these amazing things like my compact team, right? And then when I tell, tell me about the worst team you ever worked on, oh my God, we have amazing conversations. But I can tell you 80% of the things they're going to say because worst teams mm -hmm. um, always have people on them who are not aligned, not functioning, not, mm -hmm. um, not working um, as a good teammate. And so I think most of the time, if you want to know who the, who the sort of the worst players on the team were, and it, sometimes it's not their fault, right? They were put into a wrong role. They didn't have the right skills. You know, I'm not saying people are intentionally holding others back most of the time, uh, but the team knows who it is that's holding them back. Now, in terms of just change and resistance to change, I think that people in particular who've been through a lot of failed change, as you know, will uh, resist change more than people who have been through a lot of good positive change. And so again, uh, the team, the organization knows who it is that's resisting. Um, and I think if you can get those people who have already accepted the change or exploring the change uh, to help the people on the other side of that curve um, understand why this isn't their best self-interest, uh, sometimes that can be really helpful. But I think you also have to set a deadline to say, hey, we're going to be exploring this for the next 90 days and at the end of this quarter we're going to move forward with these things we're talking about and so at that point you have to decide if you're going to be on the bus or not right mm, are you going to be right. part of making this this change for us or not mm -hmm. people can self-select what they want to do yeah yeah that's interesting i know i was reading a an article and a guy was i guess i think it was a psychologist or a consultant mm -hmm. he went into a company to help them change some things that were going on. And he said that he actually mm -hmm. was able to spot the person that was making it difficult for the team during the meeting yeah. because she was the most vocal mm -hmm. person there 
and she was so negative. <laughs> and yeah. long story short, after he left, they, they ended up firing her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because she was just so toxic to the environment and what culture they were trying to cultivate. Yep, I have seen that time and time again. And uh, there, there, are people, there are people in every team who are so resistant that every, every other sentence begins with a but. Right. Not right. an and, not an and, but a button. And um, if those people are not willing to, to look at, you know, from different perspectives, uh, what's possible with this change, then um, oftentimes the leader will say, it's just not worth it. I don't care how mm. technically brilliant you are. It's right. too disruptive to the rest of the team. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time, the rest of the team will step up uh, to whatever the technical gaps are and uh, you can move on. Yeah. Okay. Now, would you like to talk, Talk to us a little bit more about your transition into your role, because I know you mentioned about the process of leaving Compact. Would you like to go into more detail about that? Sure. Yeah. So, so the first thing is just to to talk about. I I knew that I needed time to think bigger, and I didn't have it, and I didn't have. Uh, and so I ma- I made time for that, and I don't know why I did. I'm grateful uh, <laughs> that I took the advice um, of the of the guy that was working with me. Um, I did not. I was so burnt out. Um, and tired and knew that I wanted to you know, sort of just get away from that at that point. I mean, I didn't even take my contacts list with me. I just wow. left. Mm. Uh, and I moved to a different city and I took classes and I explored a lot of options. And I, mm. I met my now husband and partner who was a, a psychologist. And mm. uh, so between what I knew, sort of being on the ground through all this growth and, and his work with CEOs in organization and leadership development, uh, we uh, we provided a pretty good 360 degree approach mm-hmm. uh, to working mm-hmm. with our clients, um, and so I definitely learned a lot there. Um, but uh, for pe- anybody who's working with you who is uh, wanting to become an entrepreneur, particularly a solopreneur, uh, you have to know that there's there's a lot to learn about the business of the business, not just the mission of the business. And so um, you know, understanding that. Um, you know, you can do really good work, but if nobody knows about it, that's not enough, right? But you mm-hmm. have to pay attention to things like, like marketing and sales uh, that you might not think about when you think, oh, I'm going to go be a, a whatever. Um, when you're hanging out your shingle. You have to pay attention to the whole business of things. Right, yeah. All right. Now, would you like to add anything else before I do our quote of the week? I would just say thank you very much. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm... I'm really glad that that you as a psychologist are helping people uh, with their career transitions. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Okay. So today's or this week's quote of the week comes from Charles Swindoll. Some people know him as Chuck. He says that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. That's a, that's an amazing quote. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Zen practitioner and I think, how, you know, situate, we have change around us all the time. There's nothing that's a static situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have choices about how we react. So yes, um, particularly mm-hmm. giving yourself a little moment to think, how, how do I want to react to this instead of mm-hmm. just uh, going with it can be um, very useful and sometimes career-saving. <laughs> so. Now, as we close, will you tell us how to contact you? Yeah, thanks for asking. So my website is just karenwalker.us. All traditional K-R-E-N-W-A-L-K-E-R, KarenWalker.us. And on all the social media sites, I am Karen Walker U.S. 
Okay. And if someone's interested in more information about my book, it's in a no dumbing down.com and that will send you to the pay, uh, to uh, Amazon. I think. Uh, okay. Purchased. Okay. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks again. And I know you have an appointment right after this, so I will let you go, but I once again, appreciate you for joining me today and, and sharing with us your expertise. Great. Thanks you so much, Shalanda. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Shalanda Says. Remember to send your questions to shalanda at tookswaterguidance.com. Shalanda at tookswaterguidance.com to have them answered by myself and an expert guest. And don't forget to subscribe and share. And as always, have a productive day.